Ah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I've been to those national conferences where Pastor Ted has been, and it's just amazing. Like you said, you get three, 3,500, 4,000 pastors and their wives in one place, and they don't have to worry about who's on, who's ushering, who's got the bulletins, who's got all this, who's, who's going to do the music, and they get to praise and worship. The roof comes off the building. The atmosphere changes, and it's just awesome. I don't know if anybody had been to Promise Keepers way back in the day, up at the Kingdom. Well, that's a long time ago. When 50,000, to be 50,000 men at the Kingdom, and all of a sudden they'd start to praise and worship, and 50,000 men praising God. And singing songs like, Almighty Fortress is our God, and Blessed Assurance, some of the old songs, but the place would just, whoa. So anyway, thanks for the opportunity. I'll try not to take your shoes. Man, we've been doing uh, 40 Days in the Word, Rick Warren, 40 Days in the Word. We've had groups, we've had uh, 12 to 15 groups, and we had our outreach yesterday and uh, had a chance to speak. We had a gal that joined our group, uh, doesn't go to this church yet, and her husband died about two and a half years ago, has about two acres of land, could not keep up with it. So we showed up with our group that we meet at the Mays house, and then we had about another 10 people, so we had about 18 people show up and just love on Alice. So they're coming. So there's Casey, he's working on the garage, and there's Shelby and some other folks working. There's Jeremy lifting stuff. I mean, we hauled off two trailers worth of stuff and just loved on Alice. Hey, there she is. (laughs) She kind of, I'm not sure if she's working or just posing. Now here, Bob is leading the team cheer, and Chad is not so sure. And there's lovely Karen. There's the group. Is that a nice group of people doing the stuff? And then if you do this for a long period of time, after three or four hours, this is what you really feel about each other. Look at the way Deanna's growling at me. So, <laughs> so anyway, you know, there's about 2,000 four-square churches across the country. And uh, you've you got to know that since they all were in Arizona, that all the associate pastors are doing what I'm doing. So I'll try to start, have a middle and an end. And uh, if you know me, I'll laugh and I'll probably tear up. It's just the mention of Jesus makes me tear up. How about you? Amen. So anyway, here we go. Um, road signs, all kinds of construction going on up here in Edgewood. It's going to be a two-year project. Expect delays, detours, go around, all that kind of stuff. And in life, we get signs also. Stop. Road closed. Curvy road ahead. Falling rock. And that's what's happening in our lives, and all of a sudden stuff is happening, and we just don't know quite what to do. We don't want to go a different way. We have our mind made up. All of a sudden you got health situations, you got financial situations, you have relationship problems. And we go, wow, what's this all about? So that's what we're going to talk about. Open your eyes, Jesus is alive. And you two, you don't know, we haven't talked all week long, but the music and what Pastor Chad said... His Holy Spirit 
directed because they had no idea what I was going to speak on. God's good, huh? That's good. All right. So I did find a couple of signs, though, that you normally don't see, but, um, and here's one of them. <laughs> Falling cow. Now, if you look at the background, that's actually Lake Chelan area, and on the other side of Lake Chelan over by Manson, there's actually this sign on the road, Falling Cow. And the story behind that is, real quick, is that a cow actually fell off the ledge, fell down, hit a family of four in a Volvo station wagon, crushed the roof, the cow died, and now there's a, a, a bottle of wine that you can buy over at Chelan called Falling Cow Wine. But there it is. Next sign. Yeah. <laughs> there, I don't know about you, but that's my life. Yeah. All right, now what do we do? All right. Now this next one, don't put it up yet, but this next one is when Chad was going to college, and you know that he's a fisherman. He got after me about the shoes. Anyway, so he wanted to, you know, and he saw Avon, and he wanted to, he's a fisherman, and he wanted to put a sign up by the dorm that would attract. So this is his first attempt at attracting Avon. Wanted, good woman, must be able to clean, cook, sew, dig worms, clean fish. Please send picture of boat and motor. <laughs> that didn't work, but then he figured out another way in. Look, here we are. Okay. Do I have one more? Yeah, I think I have one more. Here's my life. Many times. How about yours? You know, you just get there to go, oh, I don't know. What am I going to do with this? I'm confused. I'm unsure. And we kind of could do that. So that's what we're going to try to talk about. Those, those signs, those little things. Probably should start with prayer. So I'll try that too. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that your word speaks to us. We thank you that you're fully alive, that you open our eyes and you are alive and so, Lord, just bless this time. Holy Spirit, guide and direct everything that's said and done and speak to people's hearts and their minds. And it's all for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Got one of our youth that's going to come up and help me with the Scripture reading. Everyone say hello to Frankie. I, I dare. Isn't she a doll? We got some great-looking teenage... Well. I shouldn't probably say it that way because I'm an old man. <laughs> but we got some really beautiful teenagers in our youth group. And I've known this one when she was shorter. And she wasn't taller than me. And I think I've known her since six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. So anyway, come on up and put it up there. and Hi. <laughs> and say hello to Frankie. Now the same day, two of them were going to the village it called... Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They were talking and discussing with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they, kept, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked, what are you guys discussing with each other as you walk along? They stood, their, face, their faces downcasted. One of them called Cleopas. Good. Asked, asked him, um, are, you the, are you the only one visiting from Jerusalem who does not know that the things that has happened in these past days? What things, he asked, 
about Jesus of Nazareth, he, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in the word, and deed before God came to all. Uh, the, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this has all taken place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you and slow to believe that all these prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer all these things to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes opened and quickly recognized them, and then he disappeared from their sight. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The road to Emmaus. Two guys walking along. They weren't part of the, uh, the dirty dozen or the 11 disciples, but they were tightly closed. They, they knew who the 11 disciples were. They knew who Mary and Martha were. They were part of that extended circle of believers. They'd seen Jesus talk. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him heal. And they knew who he was. He was a great teacher, a great prophet. But they're walking along. Jesus has died. Ever been that way? Been depressed? Been kind of down? Don't recognize anything around you. Don't want to talk to anybody. Don't even want to talk to God sometimes. They're walking and talking with each other about everything that happened. As they walk, they discuss these things with each other. Jesus himself came up out of nowhere. Some of the, the versions say that he suddenly appeared. So whether he just came up upon them or he just went, Oof, because he now has his glorified body. I won't get into that. But Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, and they were kept from recognizing him. These people had seen Jesus. They had been with him. They'd heard him talk. They'd seen his eyes. They'd heard him speak. One of the, when I was doing the research, that Cleopas, one of the people of these two, was Joseph's brother, which means Jesus was his nephew. And he didn't even recognize Jesus. Ever get to that point where you just don't recognize anybody and you don't want to talk to anybody and you don't feel good? Life throws us curves. Signs that say, okay, stop, take a detour. And we don't do it too well. And we don't recognize that Jesus is with us. He's with us. He hasn't left us. You start talking about all the forsaken stuff, that's coming. And the reason we don't do it is because we're trying to control our own lives. We're trying to, we don't recognize that Jesus is right with us. We take our eyes, and then we, what we start doing is we start believing 
Well, Jesus doesn't care about me. He's forgot about me. You know, why do, why do I do that church thing? Anybody been that way before? Nobody? Oh. <laughs> oh, I've got hands. Oh, you scare me. And we start believing that he has forgotten about us. Being blind, having their eyes open, and seeing Jesus. I had an experience like that. Years ago, in another church in downtown, the Assembly of God, at, <laughs> we had a, a passion play. We had an 80, 80 voice choir and a 40-piece band. And during one of the scenes, Jesus comes out and he starts healing people. And he's healing the paralytic and he's pairing the leper. And I'm in the choir and I'm supposed to come out of the choir as the blind guy with these big blue eyes doing, Jesus! And there's supposed to be a little old lady. I start walking out and she's supposed to grab my arm and take me over to Jesus. She forgot. So I'm walking toward the orchestra pit. And I'm, Jesus! And Jesus would not look at me in the eye because I would wink at him or try to kiss him or something, and he would look over the top of my head. So anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, finally, I'm two feet away from the edge, and I figure, okay, I'm bound to determine if I'm going to go into the orchestra pit, I'm going. And then we'll make it a real miracle. So I really, I'm two feet away, and Dorothy, bless her heart, comes to life, quits watching the program, and realize, oh. And so she comes out and grabs my arm, and she goes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she takes me over to Jesus, I think, Jesus! And he looks over the top of my head and heals me. So, But then I run back to the choir, and I go, Jesus is alive! I can see him! He's alive! He's real! Somebody say Amen. <laughs> But then Jesus, he's, you know, he's walking along with these guys. He says, okay, what are you talking about? And look at the next part. Is it up there? What did they do? The next six words? Read the first six words. They stood and their faces were downcast. Ever get to a point where you're, you're walking along and somebody will ask you a question? And all you can do is just look at them. You stop. You stop what you're doing. Like, are you kidding me? Don't you know I'm hurting? Don't you know that somebody's died in my family? Don't you know that I lost my job? Don't you know da, 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 da? And we're sad. We get so involved with our problems and our circumstances that even if Jesus came in to your situation and sat down right beside him, we may not recognize him as we're wrapped up in in our stuff. But he's right there. He's right there. So then he goes on further. Jesus goes, what things? Well, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and before God and all people. And if you ever try to explain something that's not going right, you know, either we go, on the, go to anger or we get whiny. So I'm not sure if these guys did this, but this is my take on it. That Then they go, the chief priests and the rulers hand him over to be sentenced and crucified. But we hoped that he would be going to redeem Israel. And when he, he died three days ago. In addition, the women amazed us. They went to the tomb, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they saw a vision of angels. Okay. And he was alive, 
But then some of our companions went to the tomb, they found him dead, and we didn't see Jesus. We get whiny with God. And he's right there. He's right there. We get whiny or get angry. Jesus is just trying to listen to us and engage us and ask us questions. Have relationship with you and me. He wants us to converse with him, either you know, listening to his spirit and having those kind of conversations or through his word and have the word speak to you. The biggest thing, I'm talking to me, is to get ourselves, get our eyes off of ourselves and get them back on the cross. Get them back on the cross. Get them back on Jesus. Get them back on Jesus. Talking about the road signs, all kinds of sign curves, roadblocks, dead ends, detours. I don't want a show of hands, but there's got to be people in this room right now that you're in one of those situations, whatever it is, and you're lonely. That sign that had all the signs, confused, lonely, despaired, all that kind of stuff, that's where you're at right now. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Jesus is right there. He hasn't left you, even though it feels like it. When you get the doctor's report, and some of you have had some amazing doctor reports, and some of you have had some amazing healings, and we're praying for a couple more, aren't we, Bobby? Raised, raised in the hospital and doing okay? Good, thank you. And keep praying for Ray. He hasn't left us. This, I thought, well, maybe there's some verses in here. So take, we'll take a look at Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8. Help me with the first four words. Okay, say it like you mean it. Well, in fact, why don't you read the whole thing here? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Okay, let's go over to the New Testament. Let's go over to Hebrews. Hebrews 13. And here's what it says. Keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Sometimes you've got to go, okay, with confidence. I don't feel like it. But God is with me. Go to the Old Testament. Let's see what that says. First Chronicles 28, 20. Be strong and courageous. Do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. They say that there's 365 verses or parts of the Bible, one for every day, that says fear not. So don't do it. <laughs> okay, let's go to the real Old Testament. We go to Genesis 28.15. It says, what does it say? Help me read this. I am with you. I will watch over you. I love that. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. Now we'll go back to the New Testament. All over the Bible. 
John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor afraid. Then Luke 25, 27, 24, 25, and 7. Then he said to them, after they had done the whiny thing, remember? Did the whiny thing? Now he goes, Jesus says, How foolish you are, how slow you are to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not Messiah have to suffer all these things in his, to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. He said, how foolish you are and how slow. In the Amplified, oh, oh you were foolish, is, um, in the Amplified says, oh, you sluggish in mine. I'd like to have Jesus say, oh, you sluggish in mine and dull of perception. And I would go, huh? <laughs> you talking to me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just me. Okay. <laughs> oh, foolish. Oh, sluggish in mind and dual of perception. And then slow. But then he goes on to say, you know, this is a seven-mile walk. Seven miles he's walking with these guys. So all of a sudden, he goes, duh, you guys don't get this. So he started going, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So anything that had to do with prophecy from Moses, from Genesis, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, and the minor prophets, he was talking about all the prophecies that are in the Bible that explain that Jesus was God in the flesh, and he was a real deal. He wasn't some prophet. He wasn't some rabbi. He wasn't some teacher. He was a son of God. He was God in the flesh, and he was who he said he was, and who all these other people had said for centuries that he was. Yahshua. He was Yahweh. He was the Messiah. Whoo! Seven miles. Seven miles walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they had about three hours, you know, walking normal speed. He had three hours to give them a crash, intensive Bible course, intensive Bible course on what the Scriptures really said. See, so many people were looking for Jesus to be a political leader. They were looking for him to be a redeemer from the Roman Empire. They didn't. They call him a teacher, they call him a prophet, they see all this stuff, but they didn't realize that Jesus was a spiritual Savior, not a political Savior, but a personal, relational Savior and the Messiah. So he gets just about to this place, and he acts as though he's going to go on, because, and the reason he does that, he just wants to make sure, okay, are these guys getting this? Or they just gone, duh. So, but they get it. And they said, no, 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 it's getting late. Come on in. You know, stay the night. Have some food. You know, be with us. And he says, okay. So he came in. And it says, he was at the table with them. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then what does it say? Help me with the last word. Then there. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Whoo! He disappeared. 
He's right there and poof, he's gone. That had to be incredible. Can you imagine? But what happened with these two guys is they finally the light bulb went on. Their eyes popped open. He'd been with them all the time, right? Been with them all the time. They knew his voice. They knew his eyes, but they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't see him. But once they finally got what the Word says about who he is and why he is and where he is and how he is, then they go, ah, my eyes are open. (laughs) My eyes are open. My eyes are open. He is alive. He is the Jesus. We know it for sure. And he's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. I just want to encourage you. He's been with me. He's been with you. If you know Jesus, he's been with you all the time. Through all the sickness, through through all the mountaintop experiences, through all the valleys that you've ever been through, through all the relationship problems. I sure hope that's not me. Through all the relationship problems, everything you've gone through. Sick babies, healed babies, cancer, no cancer, relationships, all this stuff. He's right there. He's right there. Closer than a brother, the Bible says. Closer than a brother. Mi hermano. And he's with you all the time. And just to be reassured that he's with you all the time, just take a look at John 1 and a couple of verses in John. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. From the very beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through all things were made. Without him nothing was made. There had, without him was made. Without with out him. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Someone say amen. And life that was in the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness. Say amen again. And the darkness has not overcome it. Amen again. He's a real deal. Died on the cross. Forgiven our sins. We have a brand new life if you're a believer. If you're not and you never made that thing, it's really easy. Jesus wants to give you the biggest, nicest gift called salvation. It's called grace, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, and he just wants to hand it to you. And we have the choice. I want it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that gift. Free? Really? I'll do that one. You know. But we've got to ask him and open the gift. Open the gift of salvation. Let him in your heart. Then we can be confident that there is a hope and a plan in the future for us. That he is always with us. And we have the promise of heaven and eternal life because Jesus is alive. <sighs> we talk about the road of Maus and we talk, well, they're, they're old Bible guys and they're walking in bathrobes and whatnot. And they don't, you know, and they kind of talk this formal way. No, they're real dudes. They're real guys. So, you know, when, when we're watching the Kentucky Derby or NASCAR or Casey, wherever you are, or we're watching the Seahawks, we have no problem jumping out of our chair 
when something really when something really good happens and the popcorn's going and the sandwich is going and we're dancing on the coffee table. <laughs> Casey <laughs> and dancing like that, right? We don't have any problem doing that for the Seahawks or the Mariners. Whoops, sorry about that. Boy, that sounds better. This thing's going that way, so I'm not sure. Anyway. So it's a real deal. So anyway, here's a video. You'll probably recognize one of the people in there. Um, this is from 13 years ago, down at the old Assembly God Church, and a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus. You might want to turn those lights down too a little bit. Here we go. 13 years ago.
than any one of the years who have been ignorant of the things that have happened these past, these past few days. You see, you back up. Jesus of Nazareth was a mighty prophet, powerful in word and in deed. Some were convinced that he was the reincarnation of Elijah or of Jeremiah. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was so paranoid. Not paranoid was he? He thought King Herod was so paranoid. He thought John the Baptist would come back from the grave to get him. <laughs> but Peter spoke the heart and the hope of all who followed Jesus, and he proclaimed, "You are the Christ. You are the Son of the Living God." Indeed, we believe Jesus to be the Messiah, the one promised to redeem Israel from her oppressors once and for all. But it was our rulers and our priests who sentenced him to death and turned him over to the Roman government to be crucified. We were feeling really stupid and a lot betrayed. We know some women we know went to the tomb where Jesus was buried, and they told us his body was not even there, and said something about a vision of angels telling them he is risen. James said he and the brothers found things at the tomb, just as the women said they would be. But as for that angel thing, would you have believed that? <laughs> oh, it's all as the man. And he replied, how slow you are to believe. Can't you understand by now that the Christ had to suffer all that he did before he would enter into his glory? That's what I said. was supposed to happen. I didn't feel any better. Jesus was God. You must use your faith to understand, the man said. Jesus is always saying things like that. And he continued to quote Moses, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and he, and he explained to us in detail how the coming ruler of Israel must suffer for the curse of death, sickness, and poverty to be destroyed in the ruin of his own body. Little by little, and line upon line, the writings of Isaiah began to come into focus. He taught from Daniel and Micah and Malachi, and suddenly we were home, and he was going on without us. So we asked him to stay and be with us and continue talking, and he did. Yes, oh, this is so good. But when we start to eat, <laughs> when we start to eat, and he picked up the bread, he picked up the bread to bless us, and as he did, he looked up to heaven like this. And that's when it became as clear as the morning sun on the sea. Do you remember the miracle when Jesus fed over 4,000 men? You remember when Jesus fed over 5,000 with one little boy's lunch. You remember? We were there. We were there. We were there for every meal when Jesus would raise up his voice in thanksgiving and blessing. And that's when we knew. We knew he was him. Master, Jesus, my Lord. And then he disappeared from our sight. But our faith had been born. And we believe and are sure that Jesus is So that's the way we used to do it 13 years ago. <laughs> and apparently some things don't change. What does Jesus look like to you? There's a little girl, and maybe you've seen her picture. Um, Akian Karamarvik. Amazing artist. At the age of four, she started drawing amazing detailed pictures. And when she... but. And she was raised in an atheist home, raised in Idaho, no TV, homeschooled, knew nothing about God. But God started giving her visions about heaven and what heaven looked like and what, what uh, the colors of heaven. When she was eight years old, eight years old, it took her a long time, eight years old. She drew that. 
Look at those eyes. Look at those eyes. One of the pastors that I pulled offline when Chad was down at the, the conference, his name is Chris Hodges out of Birmingham, has a great big church down there. And he talked about There's 2.1 million Christians on the planet. There's 7 billion, excuse me, 7 billion people on the earth. Out of that, 2.1 profess to be Christians. So we'll give them credit. They're all born again and spiritual Christians. 2.1. Out of that is 4.9 billion that don't know the Lord and more than likely are going to hell. Put it in a smaller setting. A year ago, there was a massive tornado, and I'll try to speed up because I know we're late, but there was a massive tornado in, in uh, uh, Joplin and Tuscaloosa. 239 people died. 239 people died. Can you see their faces? Can you see the faces with the eyes of Jesus? 239 people. If you line them up, back to belly, belly to back, heel to toe, 239 people would stretch for about the length of a football field, about 300, 300 yards, 100 yards, 300 feet. 911, September 1st, September 11th, September 1st, 2011. 2,996 people died in the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and the airline that went down. Can you see their faces? If you line them up, if you line them up, Back to belly, belly to back, heel to toe, up tight. It would go a half mile, a half mile. Get out of here, walk from here up to the Safeway and see 2,996 faces with Jesus' eyes. The tsunami in 2004 that took out most of Southeast Asia, 250,000 people, 250,000 people. You line them all up. Get in your car after church and drive from here to Linwood, Mount Lake Terrace, 47 miles. That's how long 250,000 people would be. Do you see their faces? Do you see them with Jesus' eyes? 4.9 billion. If... We could build a bridge from San Diego over to Australia and then somehow get to Southeast Asia. We started lining people up. And then we went through Saudi Arabia and then we went into, either up into the Russia and China or went down to Africa and over to Europe and then built another bridge and built that across and went across the United States. And then finally, belly to back, ballad, you know, lined them all up. And the first person shook hands with the last person. Do you see their faces? That's what. 4.9 billion. Now do that two times. Do that five times. Do that 20 times. Do that 30 times. Do it 37.3 times. That's what it takes to go around the world, around the equator, for 4.9 billion people. Do you see their faces? It's too big to comprehend. I don't get it. I can't figure, you know, more than... 300, I'm dead. Whoops. Well, man, that sounds better there. But who's in your life? One face at a time. Who's near you? Who's near you that you can see face to face? 
Thursday morning, I got a little men's group, and I was kind of talking to them. I was talking to them. Very good. How's that, Bill? <laughs> I was talking to him and, and uh, kind of gave him a preamble of this, what I was going to speak at. And he's a helicopter trainer. He's been in Kuwait and Afghanistan and all the places. And uh, uh, he kept asking this guy to go to church with him. And he says, the guy finally just yells at him, why do you want me to go to church? Why do you want me to go to church with you? And my friend is only about five foot six and 145 pounds, and this guy is about six three, and they call him Sasquatch. So he must have a must have a big head. And he goes up and he grabs him, he grabs him by the face, and he looks him right in the face, and he goes, "Sask," he says, "Jesus is in me. He wasn't always in me. He's alive in me. I can see him. He's in me." I know I'm going to heaven. And he's holding this big guy's face. He says, I want you to come to church for me. I'm going to heaven. I want you to go to heaven, and I don't want you to go to hell. And I want you to go to heaven with me. Who's in your life that you can hold your face and say, come on. Let's be a little bolder than we do. Be a little stronger than we so we don't just do the same thing day after day after day after day, but we see the people that are right next to us. That if we don't, hopefully somebody will, and if not, they're going to hell. I want you to go to heaven with me. I guess the thing is, is two things. Is there anybody here that says, you know, I'm not bold. I'm kind of caught up in my same old, same old, same old. I need to be a little bolder. I want to be a person that makes an influence on the faces that are closest to me. Life Spring, if we are known as a, as a church that reaches out to our community, Edgewood, Milton, Fife, North Puyallup, and really see the faces they will start coming and start inviting them. Come to church with me. Why? Because I don't want you to go. I want you to go to heaven with me. If you say, you know, that's not the way I am, but I really want to have a little more confidence. The Bible said not to be afraid, not be discouraged. I'm with you all the time. You know, you're not going to do this on your own terms. Jesus is going to do it. And then you're saying, man, I need, I need to pump it up a little bit. I need to step it up again. I need to have Jesus stronger in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you. Let's all stand. And I'm kind of a touchy-feely guy. Would you just kind of go across and grab a hand just go across the aisles there. They're nice people. And if there's anybody here that you don't know Jesus, we're praying for you too. Today's the perfect day to ask Jesus to come into your heart. So I'm going to pray for you guys that all raise your hand, and then we're going to do the sinner's prayer together, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, that you're with us all the time. Lord, all those faces, there are too many to comprehend, but there's somebody in our life that you've put in in our life that you want to go to heaven with us. Give us strength. Give us new boldness. Give us an enthusiasm to be passionate about who you are and why you are. And open our eyes with Jesus' eyes to see the people in our world. So, Lord, all those hands that went up, bless them. Bless them. Encourage them. Lift them. Fire them up in Jesus' name. Now, everyone help me with the sinner's prayer. Lord, just come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Make me a new person. Be real, large, in charge. Give me a new heart. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for giving me. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer at the end, please come up and talk to Chad or me or Dan. We'd love to talk to you. Praise the Lord.